ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And back, better than ever, is Father Andrew Dickinson. Hi, Father. Hey. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at sfdiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E with the hashtag ignition. I've got a question about this episode. I knew you did, Father. So, is episode 307 really not with me? Correct. Okay. Or uh, six or five. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I thought, yeah, you've I... been gone for a while for the listeners of uh, Ignition. Yeah, sorry. I was like serving the people of God. <clears throat> because who are you and what do you do? I am a son of the Eternal Father by the waters of baptism and divine grace. Uh, I serve as a priest of God uh, by the uh, will uh, and by ordination by the will of Bishop Swain. I serve as the director of the Pope Pius XII Newman Center and the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, South Dakota. And I'm Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, um, Jermaine's husband since 1999. You do the math. Uh, we have five children. One, two, three, four, five. I got that math. That's counting. Is counting really math? It's, 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 I, I think it's part of arithmetic, which of course would be a, one of the subdisciplines of the discipline mathematics. Nerdy answers. The nerdiness you come to love here in Ignition. <laughs> Father, if... $5 answers to 50 cent questions. If, if, I should say if and when, not necessarily when, but if and when um, think circumstances should be such that you were to depart as my co-host, I'm going to have to, like, the rapport that we've built over the last six, seven, I'm going to start from scratch with some new uh, new co-host. And I'm sure you'll announce the first episode as the new and improved Ignition. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> I didn't say that, Father. Well, you know, out of every death, hopefully comes some life. Oh, and what a beautiful segue. Thank you so much, Father. You're welcome. Uh, happy Easter, Father. We're recording this in Lent. I don't know if we can say Happy Easter or the A word right now. I'm but... not a liturgical uh, like policeman. Hallelujah. 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 But fine, this is not a liturgical setting. Hallelujah, all you want. <laughs> it's in my house, though, my kids, I've brainwashed. I have, no, I've successfully f liturgically formed my children. Malformed? Where they, <laughs> where they, I, I've got one. Um, so Noelle is one of my 11-year-old twins. And Noelle will correct her siblings when they say hallelujah during Lent. You can't say that. Carl, stop saying that. This is the twins are the second oldest. Yeah, they're the second oldest. Yeah, that might be more a function of birth order well, and <laughs> current age than any sort of liturgical formation. It might be. Just gonna go out on a limb there. Or it, my old my Elena gets on my case. No, she's she's sort of happy about this, but she gets on my case because she feels that given the fact that her dad is a theologian and the diocese director of adult discipleship and evangelization, that he can she be, say that title? 
<laughs> that he should be doing more in terms of um, uh, formation with his kids. No, she's oh. fine with it. She really doesn't want to have to do more, uh, but she just finds it like it's just ridiculous that dad doesn't do more with his kids. Than, <laughs> um, well, it's oh, it sounds the- like the cat's in the cradle, like a uh, song from the- <laughs> <It> totally does. <laughs> My boy was just like me. I, I remind her, Elena, I'm the, I'm the director of adult. So once you're 18, then I will be happy to kick in. Until now, we have other people on staff to come here and, you know, raise you in the face. Other people on staff? <laughs> Jermaine! <laughs> you're calling your wife a member of the staff? No, I actually meant I actually met the other directors in the office, but... As, as I figured I, you did, but... <laughs> so... <clears throat> I decided to take... I, I could have taken that joke one of two ways. I know. So, um... We mentioned Holy we Week. I always do uh, Easter Week. This is Easter Week, not yes, Holy it's Week. Easter Week. Oh. It's Easter Week because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, I totally missed that. <laughs> Even though I put it, you know, Easter. In yeah. The, uh, you know, said this is. Rever- I didn't look at the date. <laughs> Where can I get good? Yeah, you're right. No one improved. <laughs> um, so. No one to blame but yourself. So um, it is, as this is airing, you're listening to this. Um, if you're on its original airing date. Well, well right. But they'll, st- hell, <laughs> they'll still have. It's so cool when the engineer makes our voices go backwards. Is it? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. Thank you so much for doing that. The editing that was just. Um, or seven weeks. I mean, they'll have plenty of time during Easter Tide. Mm-hmm. Is Easter Tide the term for the entire season? Mm-hmm. Because Passion Tide, Paschal is, Tide, is the last two weeks though of Lent. That's Passion Tide, yeah. Passion Tide, so Paschal Tide, Easter Tide might be the entire. Anyway, fifty days after Easter. But it sounds better than season. Yeah. Easter season. You don't like season? No. You've got it. So I'm particular. Nice season. What else is on the uh, Thou shalt not? Eh, say? It depends. On whatever in the mood of the oh, day right. is. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, you're so yeah. Se- up and down. Season's kind you. of a new thing. I don't think I've complained about season before. I don't know. No, correct. Yeah, in right, terms of right. ignition. I'm yeah. just complaining right now. Okay. So I don't uh, know. If, I don't know if I'll complain about season again. Okay, but at least in this episode of ignition, no, yeah, yeah. doing so yeah. here uh, in Pascal Tide. We uh, at the top of the show, as always, uh, we or Pasca, as they say in uh, is that Russian or Greek Orthodox? Yeah, just all yeah. It's Pasca. Yeah, uh, in Italy, it's Pasqua. Pasqua. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Easter comes from the German. Sehr gut. It's, yeah. Jawohl. Yeah. Exactly. Um, continuing with, no, <laughs> we mentioned at the top of the show that we love listener feedback. Today's question, or today's episode rather, actually, um, strike that, that's next week's episode, <laughs> will be a uh, response to a, uh, a question that a listener asked. But this week, we're going to be but focusing, uh, we're going to be focusing, uh, actually, we are going to look back a little bit because uh, we didn't really, because you and I uh, didn't record a show for Holy Week. So we'll, we'll look at back a little bit at Holy Week. Um, See where our confusion comes in. And, and then we'll we'll look ahead to the rest of um, Paschal Tide, as, as you so aptly put it. Um, so, Father, where do you want to begin with? So thinking about what we just celebrated and now what we're celebrating. You and I, we've done several episodes from years past 
listeners, if you want to look up the show archives, Father and I have done many episodes on the the different liturgies, masses mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of Holy Week. Um, we've I, I was looking actually back. We've done literally um, shows in which we talked about every mass of Holy mm-hmm. Week from. Palm or Passion Sunday through Easter Sunday. Um, the Triduum. The even Holy things that aren't Masses. Even things that aren't Masses, like the Good Friday Liturgy. Uh, the Triduum, uh, the the most holy three, sacred three days. Which are not part of Lent. Not part of, correct. So I was actually just also having this conversation with my kids. Lent technically comes to end at sundown on, or with, Okay, correct me. Then. Yeah, I mean, sometime around there, yeah. All right, sometime around sundown on Holy Thursday, then the Triduum begins and lasts through sun or Easter Sunday night. Which should be its own day of penance and fasting and prayer. Right, exactly. So that's what, so my kids, so, because initially, I get, it was Noel once again. Ooh. My, uh, yeah, she's she's on top of things liturgically. No, but she's Nothing pretty excited. To do with, but she, yeah, she thought, yeah. oh, Lent ends, and that means I can have, what she, she gave up TV. Ooh. She gave up TV. Um, that means I can watch TV and da, da, da. I said, no, 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 no. The Triduum is still a time of penance. And so on. it's until after the vigil, because at our house, I've talked before, we have a resurrection party, mm-hmm. um, when we get home. And so they, uh, ain't no party like a resurrection party. Amen. So, uh, you know, I was briefly excited that she could, uh, her Lenten penances were done Holy Thursday evening, but I corrected that misunderstanding. So, um, Looking back to last week, dear listeners, as you're listening to this, Father and I are going to talk a little bit about um, some of the aspects of, of the Triduum, and then we'll look ahead to the season that we are now in, or that sacred time we are now in. Because that's what I prepared. Yeah. Because I didn't read that it was just Eastertide. <laughs> Whoops-a-daisy. Although, actually, I could rant just on Eastertide stuff, totally. Like, I, yeah. What? Me? Rant? What? No. 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 So what do you got, Father? What uh, well, what strikes you when we were thinking about um, Holy Week and Easter Week? I've just been thinking awful lot about, uh, as of late, about the Last Supper as the unbloody uh, pre-presentation uh, of Christ's own sacrifice. Um, and just how beautiful and maybe unappreciated, like I don't appreciate it enough, I guess. Mm. And I don't know if like um, the average Christian in the pew appreciates the Last Supper and the Mass in that regard as sacrifice. As much. So, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. So, let's first let's unpack that sort of potentially dense uh, phrase the unbloody re or pre presentation. Yeah. At the Christ's, last supper, at least, a pre presentation. Right. Of Christ's own atoning sacrifice. So, to briefly explain what that means, perhaps a listener might. Well, maybe, maybe they're Catholic, yeah. but I haven't heard it. Maybe they're not yeah. Catholic at all. So, uh, the, ma- the Last Supper as the first Mass. Uh, and all subsequent masses are an unbloody presentation of Christ's own atoning sacrifice on Calvary, which was a blood sacrifice. I mean, yes. his, blood, his life blood was shed, his life was given. Um, and at the Last Supper, it's a pre-presentation of what he's going to do the next day. And every mass, it's a re-presentation of what he has done. So it's not a new sacrifice of Christ, and Christ wasn't like, sacrificed twice last supper and then on good friday and then every subsequent mass or anything like that he sacrificed once but he gains us access to it he presents it to us right uh in his authority as god and the power of the holy spirit and then empowers his apostles and their successors and the priests that they gave a portion of their spirit to to make that present again and just to mean just think about the reality of like you're being president someone's 
like not just someone's, but we'll just start with someone, but your president, it's someone's like ultimate sacrifice and gift to themselves. Mm. Right. Which it's, which in and of itself should be awe-inspiring. Right. But it's not just anyone. It's the God-man, uh, the totally innocent victim who freely offers himself, not because of anything he has done wrong, like death is usually a result of our own wrongs, right? We owe a death, mm-hmm. as Stephen King says in The Green Mile, Right. <laughs> Yep. Everyone owes a death. Right. Um, but we, uh, uh, he did not owe a death. Yeah. Right. He gives right. uh, a death for our sake. Right. In that regard. And so to be present at that and to, to call that to mind, to be mindful of that, um, a cardinal uh, from the Vatican, the cardinal in charge of the Congregation of Divine Worship, just gave a, uh, a lecture in which he was talking about how that's one of the most important things for us to return to and that we've, in some ways lost our thinking about that in our active participation in that sacrificial aspect. So this gets into then what you were saying. So that's what it means, but you're talking about your own and maybe a more mm. general um, lack of appreciation for yeah. what. So we're talking here about the, the mass of the Lord's Supper, but it applies to every mass that way. Yeah, um, every mass, of course. But the, it's important to talk about in terms of the Lord's Supper Mass of the Lord's Supper, which is the commemoration of the first Mass when right. Christ instituted that saving and sacred action. Right, right. So explain no more what you mean by you don't appreciate it. And you were just uh, alluding to it, referencing the, the Cardinal's presentation. What is it that we're not appreciating mm-hmm. enough? I think oftentimes, you know, I think about the Mass as a social action, mm. right? We kind of get together, we do our thing. Uh, I think about the Mass sometimes in business terms. You know, I mean, I'm a priest, it's on my schedule, it's kind of required of me, so to speak, okay. and so the temptation is to follow it into those sorts of, of ways. Um, I can start to judge the Mass by my experience of it. You know, did oh, sure. I have a moving experience in right. some way? And I've had to well, therefore it wasn't good or it wasn't good enough. Any of those temptations, I can kind of fall into play. Okay. So instead, and I guess this is sort of just, I'm just going to repeat what you just said. What might we consider? How might we consider uh, appreciating the Mass as the unbloody representation of Jesus' sacrifice? Well, first of all, just, I mean, calling that to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, what what's going on? Christ is, uh, we. I am truly being present at Christ's sacrifice of himself. And you know, there's little cues like that in the liturgy. You know, the, the, the separate consecrating of body and then blood. Right? If you separate my body from my blood, what am I? Dead. Dead. And so the fact that we're separately consecrating the body and then the blood. Right. Right. That that's and that our Lord Himself chose to offer them separately, right. distinctly. You know, when the supper was ended, he took the chalice. We so he did that in a separate way. Um so I think that's a powerful way to call that to mind in that way. And the fact the fact that the word given is used, right? Uh, I think in the new translation, am I fading a little bit here in my brain? But um uh, which would be given up for you. Right. 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 This idea of being given. Uh, that's the language of sacrifice. That's the language of offering. Right. Right. So for us to be more aware, and that will shape how we, some of the things, not so much, it's, this is not my action, it's Christ that I participate in. So that social action right. idea. Um, this is the reality of what happens, whatever I might get out of it. This is mm. the reality of what's happening, gets at that issue that we might judge it by our own experiences, et cetera. Correct. Correct. And, and so that helps to what we think about something forms it. Right. Yeah. Right. 
You're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald, and Father Andrew Dickinson and I are today are talking about uh, really the things that we were celebrating at the end of last week, Holy Holy Week, and now uh, continuing on then into the Easter season, Easter week, which we are in the midst of as you're listening to this. Father, what else um, strikes you about what we've been celebrating over the last several days? Well, it's just a small thought, but just the idea of... Um thought that uh, our Lord is crucified by the, by the ones he loves the most. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, or by the ones he loves perfectly. Uh, our Lord loves all souls perfectly, right? He loves them with divine love, right? Right. Uh, <clears throat> and so that's a perfect love. That's a love without any fault. That's a love without any uh, impurity, if you will, in right. the sense of uh, there's no selfishness in that love. And he loves Judas that way. Right. He loves Pilate that way. He loves Herod that way. He loves Peter that way. He loves uh, the unnamed uh, guards of the Sanhedrin in that way. He loves um, the Roman soldiers who scourge him with that sort of love. Caiaphas. Right. His pre-people's high priest who handed right. him over. He, he loves all souls with that love, and yet they're the ones who crucify him. Right. And he loves us in that way. And it's our sins that causes crucifixion. Right. And so just, I've never really thought about it in that way. Um, to thought about our Lord's own love for us. And so just imagine, you know, what would it be like to be betrayed by the one you love the most? Right. Which why I think liturgically, you know, one of the unique things that happens during the, uh, the reading of the passion accounts, mm. um, on Palm Sunday and good Friday, where the congregation is is invited to participate right. in the gospel proclamation, crucify him, crucify, crucify him. him, yeah, showing in that in that symbolic ritual way the the truth that you were just speaking to yeah. that I have by my own sins crucified him just as much as the soldiers who drove the nails into his hands yeah. and his feet. Yeah, yeah. So so why does that strike you? What 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 particular does that? Oh, uh, it just adds to me. Uh, a depth of richness to uh, the reality of the crucifixion, mm. you know, um, and it puts a personal touch on the action and that way. And it, it draws me into the heart of the savior. Right. Okay. Right. As opposed to just, you know, you can, you can think about the crucifixion in terms of like the physicalness of the death. You can think about the crucifixion in a theological sense, the sense of atonement. You can think of it in a historical sense. Uh, you can think about it in, a biblical sense and typology and fulfilling uh, the Paschal lambs. But, it, and I think I'm too easily drawn into that. Instead, just think about this truth that, you know, Christ was crucified by the ones he loves the most. I was just really taken by that. So maybe a devotional or affective sense of yeah. just really entering or an, a deeper awareness of that reality. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, the, do you, some people make a habit trying to enter in particularly to the devotional dimension, if you will, or mm-hmm. are making it stronger, clear in their own minds, their own hearts. Um, they'll watch Mel Gibson's The Passion mm-hmm. of the Christ every year. I'm not somebody who does that just because of the, it, it, it's a hard movie to watch. Right. Uh, are, where, where do you? I, I don't either, partially because for me it's a busy time of year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to spend a lot of time in the confessional uh, over the Triduum. Uh, so it's not really something that I know my students all usually host it and I'll usually come down and like make myself available for questions after my students watch it. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah. So we have then the, the, the pinnacle of, of what Lent's been leading towards what the Tritum leads towards then is what we begin Holy 
Saturday evening, um, which is really um, the beginning of the Easter celebration with the Easter vigil, and then the masses on Easter Sunday morning. That is the the reality, the truth of the resurrection, which we've also discussed in past episodes. But right. just in in, in in line with this sort of re- re- reflecting, looking back, what what strikes you when you think about the resurrection? Well, I, I've just been really for a couple years now, or is it just this past year? Um, on my annual retreat, was just really drawn to Romans uh, five, six, seven, and eight, which is kind of it, I I actually kind of love to go back to it and just do a, an addition sometimes on Romans five, six, seven, and eight. Okay. Um, but of uh, Saint Paul just talking about how in death there is now life. Mm. And the reality of the resurrection. Uh, and <clears throat> like, what does Jesus do? He brings life out of death. He died. He rose again by his power of God. And so therefore, we as Christians should not fear sin and death and failure and all those little small deaths that we encounter in this life, but rather we should take all sin, death, and failure to Jesus Christ so that he can bring the power of his resurrection to bear on them. Right. Um, now as St. Paul says, that doesn't mean I should go sin all the more. Right. 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 Oh, Jesus, you want to get some resurrection? I'll give you the opportunity <laughs> for some resurrection. Right. You know, take this. Uh, but know that in our living and our striving and our failing, cause we're still affected by sin. We're going to fail that we shouldn't fear. We shouldn't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, uh, we trust that he's the one who's going to complete it and take it to himself in that way. Right. That that giving even our failure, not just our. I think it's easy for us to think of um, giving our victories if we do with this, you know, what you will, Lord. But even my failures right. to give over to Him, right? And that's, I mean, I think kind of in that temptation to only give our victories to Him is out of our pride, right? And a false understanding of Christian salvation. Right. Say more about that. Well, just I mean, the notion that like we saw this, uh, we met called semi-Pelagian. This notion that I just need to know it and do it myself. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, I think there's a whole temptation of this with psychology. That if I just psychologically understand my sins and know myself, then I can save myself from my sins. Mm. Right? Yep. You know, and I think that's something that probably in a pre-psychological world was not a temptation as much. Yeah. But in our day and age, we've, you know, in the post-Freudian world, you can't put Freud back in the box. Right. Um, we're always looking at motives and reasoning and movements and why, you know, trying to understand why did I do this? Why did someone else do this? Um, but we may not, even if we understand why we may not be able to stop it. Right. That's sin. Right. And that's why we need Jesus Christ. Amen. So we, as we so saying all that he's able to draw life out of death. Yeah. Um, Thinking also, I think, about the resurrection as we're uh, preparing today, as we're recording this, we're also going to be recording um, episode 310, where we're going to be looking at uh, the first letter of St. Peter, where he talks a lot about the importance of how you live, Mm -hmm. how we as Christians should live in a society that's increasingly, at that time, was increasingly hostile to Christianity. Uh, In that way, there's to be affinities with our own uh, time. And sometimes we can... And we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks, but sometimes, Father, I think that we can, um, there's a temptation we have to avoid to uh, a persecution complex, right? We, yeah. we can't fall into a persecution complex, but the reality is that we, um, th- our culture is increasingly um, running contrary to the ethos of Christianity. And yet we are called to live still with the hope 
of the resurrection. Right. And that's when you most need hope. You most need hope when uh, apparent reasons uh, and when uh, your apparent security, your apparent, your earthly hope, your earthly measure of success is fading. Right. So in terms of a culture. Right. You know, that's an earthly measure. Yep of effectiveness of the gospel. That's an earthly measure of the effectiveness of the Christian mission. That's an earthly measure of the effectiveness of the church. And so uh, in the face of, say, declining numbers, in the face of um, you know, declining financial resources, declining uh, political clout, you know, might be tempted to measure yourself solely in terms of those things. Right. And that would not be the gospel. <laughs> Why not? Because uh, Jesus never promised us success. So it's somebody, I don't know, who, success is not a gospel category. And yet how mm. quicker, and I think the challenge, we've talked about this before, I think, um, we are called to be fruitful, right. to bear fruit. But we, we, we move pretty quickly to quantifying or attempting to quantify our misunderstanding. We materialize our fruitfulness. Right, yes. Instead of understanding from a spiritual perspective. Yep, yep. So, so hence the temptation. Um, I don't think it's unique to us as Americans, but but we definitely fall prey to it, of making it about numbers in various ways, and, mm-hmm. and as you were just saying, so we're numbers are declining, people are attending church, et cetera, et cetera, right. and yet we are called to be people of the gospel. Part of which means recognizing that Christ in Calvary, at Calvary and His resurrection was victorious over sin and death. Right, and and that's a hard truth to live in, because we don't know anything like it. Right, it's outside our experience. It's it's alien to us. I yep. mean, still to my earthly experience, death is final. Right, and so I need faith. I need the gift of faith. Uh, at our Newman Center during Lent, we've been, in my parish uh, at St. Paul's, we've been praying during Lent for greater trust in God, mm. greater greater trust in His plan, um, precisely leading towards Easter. You know, again, Easter is something totally foreign. Right, right. It has never happened. It's undreamed of. Yep. Um, and so we need faith. We need greater faith. We need our Lord to strengthen our faith in this truth, to make it a daily faith, a daily trust in him, a daily trust in that reality. Mm-hmm. So um, as we're just wrapping or trying to close with this episode, here at the beginning of the Easter season— for us, maybe that might be to me just because I always wonder, you know, during Lent, we have all these uh, communal and personal devotional practices that right. we are common to, like the um, Stations of the Cross, exactly. Fish Fry. Exactly. Yep. Right. So maybe during this Easter season this year in 2017, that might be a good point just for us to reflect on and pray with that. What does it mean for me to have faith in the resurrection mm-hmm. in my own life, in mm-hmm. the life of the community that, that I participate in. Because that's not something that I do. That's something that I have to witness and believe in and trust in. Right. It's not something that I can achieve in some way. Right. Absolutely. Any final, final thoughts, Father, as we wrap up this episode? None that I could say in like the five seconds we have left. Okay. And so I won't say them. We'll say them for another time. But that... Uh, give us time to fill the gap. So that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us, tweet at us at sfdiocese with the hashtag Ignition if you've got any questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.